You are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod. Bridget is in the Grotto Pod here with me. Oh, we're already fighting. We started today fighting, um, and it has nothing to do with our guest, Jennifer March Soloway. Only in that she was nearby. Extraordinaire. It had to do with the weather, actually, if you want to know the truth. Okay, start there. Because it's so hot, and I'm so miserable, and I just came from the gym, I had a towel. Right. I was toweling myself off, because, you know, you go to the gym. You t- By the way. I know how the gym works. Yeah. I'm getting, you know, I go to take my shower. I'm there. Uh, this is inappropriate for this podcast. But wow. I'm sitting there, you know, I'm, and I'm putting my shoes on. As one does. And, of course, the, the, the gym is empty, or the locker room is empty except for me. And, and another guy? guy? No, and another guy who walks in and says, you're sitting in front of my locker. It's always oh, how it works. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So this kid, he's a young kid. By young, I mean 20s. Yeah. Little beard. Great shape. Yeah. Gets in, takes his shoes off, no socks. Yeah. Takes his shorts off, no underwear. Yeah. And gets dressed after his workout. No shower. Oh, my God. I'm so gr- Puts on his little uh, tech t-shirt, you know? <laughs> Maybe he's running home or something. Back to work. Wow. Maybe yeah. he doesn't sweat yeah. as much as we do. All right, you're, you're Anyways, dodging the story at hand. The problem is that uh, Beth, producer Beth, Weingartner. esteemed producer Beth, saw me with my towel and said, oh, Ha-ha-ha. you know, like in... Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The don't pretend you don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> you know how they say, always have a towel. I said, oh, like Towelie from uh, South Park. No. Which may have registered with her, I think, yes. maybe. Yeah, but it's um, not like Towelie. Tally always says, always have a towel. Yeah, but that might be from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because that's the original gangsta towel. I didn't read. I have never oh, read it's... one page. I've never had any of those movies in my queue. I've never seen the movies. I Doesn't apologize matter. to I'm, all of you nerds. I not only have read the book at least a hundred times and probably memorized the whole thing, <laughs> but I insist, Whatever. insist that it is the um, secret history of the 80s and then... Not and then Larry thing. tries to tell nope. me that is not, not the case. Not my 80s. Did not oh, intersect with that. Did you. not read Tolkien in seventh grade. It's Tolkien, first of all. Whatever. Did not feel like that kind of misfit. There are plenty kinds of misfits in the world, but not all of them read sci-fi growing up. But the ones who do have a lot of fun. Says you. Yep. I had fun. Which is sad because the rest of us had none. Zero fun. And you know why yep. we didn't have fun? Because we didn't read those books. Exactly. A whole world would have opened right. up with talking dolphins and huge hunks of cheese and, and whatever else and happens in writing. those Oh, and then, wait, books. and then you crossed over to dissing Monty Python. I just so said I outgrew Monty Python. End. That's not a diss. Outgrowing it is a diss. I think you're taking. I think you're projecting to use one of your favorite words. Bridget is projecting. I don't. What's the projection? Do you feel guilty that you did not outgrow Monty Python? No, I feel that you are incredibly you so incorrect. Closely? But it is not for Why grown-ups. Is it so close to the, to the bone when I say I outgrew. I empirically know it is excellent. Did I say it hilarious. wasn't good for grown-ups? You said you outgrew it. But that's not necessarily the same thing as it not being good for grown-ups. Uh, it is, actually. Well, maybe Our not good for them, but that one doesn't amu- isn't amused by it. All is right, a grown-up. Oh, for sure. Who she may or may not have no, read. No, she never read it. I'm going to guess. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to tell her you just went on a huge diatribe dissing people who didn't read that stuff as unfun. No, I was dissing you. Unfun. That's different. Have you known me to be unfun? No, Don't not at all. Don't answer that question. Not at all. Jennifer March Soloway is an associate agent at the Andrea Brown Literary Agency. She is. And she's kind of hot shit. specializes in picture books, middle grade, and YA, though I've I've read uh, that she is open to all kinds of stuff. That just seems to be where she's kind of I think that's where a lot of pitches are coming from. Yeah, actually. And and we'll talk to her about that. If you remember, when we had Dr. Frank in here, Mm -hmm. uh, his feelings about YA was that was just something that they stuck on books. Uh, when I first met Jennifer, I didn't know what YA was. I don't know why I didn't know that. Did you come up with other sorts of acronyms? YA could stand for. No, she told me. So first of all, I just want to say that Jennifer and I met running. We didn't meet in any way to do oh. with. So I should say Jennifer and I are friends. I was kind of hoping you'd hold that back till she oh. got in here because I'd like to hear the story of how you met. So oh, okay. let's let's put a pin in that. Okay. Uh, and wait to see. Uh, Jennifer was also a Grotto Fellow in 2012. Yep. yep. Uh, and I'm curious to see how she got into the agenting biz. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. And agents... I can, can I just give you a little piece of my own insight? Yeah. She's an amazing reader and oh. editor. That's... Well, and the, here's the great why. thing about the world of writing. It has room for everyone. Yeah. Uh, writers, agents, 
uh, people who run literary magazines, yep. people who Editors. read sci-fi, people who don't. <laughs> Disagree. Uh, <laughs> ew. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we're gonna we want to break down the job, but I think she spends a lot of time. It's funny, you know. I googled her, and what comes as you up, do. as you would Google someone, and with great googling comes great responsibility. What comes up is a million interviews with her that basically all break down to tell me how to get published, tell me how to get an agent. How do I query? Yeah, I yeah. mean the thing. I'm a, I feel a tiny bit guilty having her in the teeny tiny crowdopod because. I mean, we basically are just going to suck every drop of knowledge out of her. Well, that's going to be, yeah, I mean, that is going to be part of it. We'd be remiss. Yeah. I know all of you uh, writers are out there on the edges of your seats. Yeah. You put down your copy of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and you're wondering, oh, now, what finally, now? finally, I'm going to learn how to query. What I've is written the my book about talking dolphins and hunks of cheese. I don't know where I got the hunks of cheese from. <laughs> I, I was wondering. It. I think you're thinking about Ford Fairlane's book. Maybe it's cheese. Uh, the movie with Andrew Dice Clay? No. Okay. You need to read the book. I haven't read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance either. I haven't either. Um, I haven't read it either, so it's there. So I want to break down the job. Not only do I want to find out how to query, because I could use a little push in that direction. Yes, I agree. Um, But I want to find out about the job. Let's use you as a case study. Oh, God, no. But I think it would be good. It would be, it'd be uh, useful for our readers yeah. too. Hey, maybe they might want to be agents. Maybe they're great readers. Actually, it's not a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible job to be a writer and an agent in the sense that there's so much reading and writing you're already doing. Right. But you're in that world. I mean, a lot of agents have gotten books published in the past few years. Bill Clegg. He's had several books. Oh yeah, Bill Clegg. Um, my own agent is also a writer. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's awesome. But also, you know, in a sense, I think, and I want to bring this out when she gets here, the agent, you know, there's a sense of this error on agent, they're the gatekeepers. But mm-hmm. every agent I've met doesn't think of themselves really as a gatekeeper. They're really devoted to wanting to get writers published. Completely. I mean, what people really need to understand about so-called gatekeepers, uh, which I guess they are, but especially agents is... They are dying to find someone. Right, <laughs> They're right. not trying to keep you out. They cannot wait to find someone they love that they can make their career go. Why? Because they love great writing. Why else? That's how they make their living. Yeah, and they actually make a living, which they is don't unique get any in this money world of writers. Unless they sell your stuff. Yeah, well, I can't wait to hear this stuff. We've been talking for too long. Oh, my God, okay. i got to take a little break and read a sci-fi novel, but after that, let's get her in here. Okay, sounds good. All right. Jennifer March Soloway, welcome to the Grotto Pod, where we have not been arguing about sci-fi for the last 10 And then Larry brought up Harry Potter. Okay, we're just going to move on. I (laughs) Let Jennifer talk. I don't know what to say. This is just how it's going to go today, I guess. Hey, uh, I know of an interesting story that I'd like you two to relate. Oh. How did you two meet? So Bridget and I are both runners. Mm, I, would, I just want to say Jennifer is more of a runner than mm. I am. So you're she's, saying she's good. Right now, there's two people in the grotto pod who could crush Grant Faulkner in a triathlon. Yeah, Grant Faulkner said I could beat him in a triathlon. I think that's oh, pretty I don't, safe. Well, you'd also beat me because I'm not a fast swimmer. Okay, that would be the only place no, I would beat you. No. Catch up with me because could you make up enough time in the run? Yes, she could. Oh my god! But I'm normally. In shape, yes, but I'm coming off an injury, so oh. no. Jennifer is a multiple-time Boston qualifier. I hear she's also an ex-amateur boxer. That is true. That is true. So I'm not hard to believe, but her. true. It's not hard to believe. I know you. <laughs> okay, so we met running. Like we were, we lived in the same neighborhood. Someone hooked us up. Yeah. So we were both we were both running with Cheryl Shway, mm-hmm. and we met at the track when we used to do speed work Tuesday morning speed workouts, and we started. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were fast. I was making little and quote marks for myself. We started talking and discovered that we both were writers, yep. and um, and that we lived within blocks of each other. And we lived within blocks of, of each other. And how long ago was this? Wow, I have no idea. Seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. So maybe no, because had I run New York yet? No. Oh my no. goodness. Mm-mm. Okay, so then I, it was probably ninety. Sorry, two thousand eight or two thousand nine. 
Maybe. I, yeah. yeah, that sounds possible. Oh, my gosh. We've so, been friends for almost a decade. Timeline here. You were a Grotto Fellow in 2012. That yes. predates your involvement with the Grotto, correct? No, nope. I've been at the Grotto for almost seven years. Really? Yes. I should know that. Yeah, yeah and BQ is the one who suggested the Grotto. Okay. Well, that, yeah. makes, that makes more yeah. sense. So we me. started talking because, you know, you're running. Although, how would we have ever been running together? I don't see how that's possible. Oh, we jogged there and back together at some point. Oh, I think yeah. we realized we lived in the same neighborhood. We yeah, could we meet there, jog there, jog to the track. And a mile and a half to By the way, high-level athletes, clearly, if you're talking while running. Well, because she's jogging with me to the track. Then I didn't see her the whole time. <laughs> she ran backwards so you can keep up? Yes. And then I, I do have to say, this is a true story. I'm going to interrupt with another story that Jennifer and I ran New York together, in air quotes, uh, a couple of years ago. And 2014. 2014. Okay. We, we, and we both were there. We were both there. We and both started at the same time. Well, she started... No, no. She started before me by oh, a little they, bit because she's fast. Because they stagger right. the corrals. But wait. But wait. Jennifer had time to finish walk to the hotel, which was far away, shower, change, go to dinner. No, <laughs> yes. no, no, this is true, isn't it? Come back I, from dinner, and I had right? just finished. Yes. <laughs> and So uh, I'm not just, like, being faux, like, oh, no, I'm not really fast. No false modesty. No, or, no, 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 no. Okay, anyway, back to... And so, perhaps she had time to fire off a few tweets and yeah. emails, since that appears to be a very large part of your job. I think that Definitely. predated me on Twitter, too. Ah, but okay. It did. But, so, <laughs> but wait, quickly, I want to oh, say so. So we find out we're both writers, and Jennifer told me that she wrote YA, and I was too embarrassed to ask what that was. I didn't know what it was, and then I finally did. At some right, point. which is young adult literature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I had to find <laughs> out. Those like, of you don't know what did that mean? Like, what was the young adult? So then we thought, oh, we'll exchange pages. I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, that was scary. It was scary because um, I had had a bad experience with a previous writing group, so I was Me a little too. scarred, and I was scarred from MFA workshop. Me too, not MFA, so, but yeah. Um, but then we we read each other's work, and I loved Bridget's work, and I connected with it, and also I thought she did terrific feedback, which is very important to me. Same. So, you know, feedback's the hardest thing to get in a writing group. Mm-hmm. And it's constructive and encouraging and inspiring. I got Jennifer's back, and I was like, oh my god, gold. She is such <laughs> a good editor. I freaked out, and I had just met this other woman at Tin House at the Writer's Workshop, and she had wanted to start a writing group, and I said, I met this woman. She's an amazing reader. Oh, you're so kind. Um, and that's how I sold her. And uh, we had that writing group for several years, maybe three years. Yeah. And I think there's a through line then from being an amazing reader to being an agent. And in fact, that's we were talking about oh, that yeah. a little bit before you got here. But I, I do... <clears throat> so, threefold. Of what we, I, I do want to find out your origins of becoming an agent. Okay. Uh, we do kind of owe it to our audience to do what... What you I represent, seem, what, what I'm you seem to for. do all the time. Yeah. yeah. How do I query? Yeah, um, absolutely. Should and not just, start what, with that? not just what you're looking for, but like, I think people, agents are a mystery. They're a little yeah. bit of a mystery. Yeah, you're a visitor from the planet agent, not to get too sci fi on you. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's about as sci fi as I get. Um, but I also, you know, what I notice too is that I also would like to kind of unravel a little bit of the mystery of the job itself. Okay. Um, because it seems to involve a lot more than you get in, you don't get in, you get in, you don't get in, reading queries. Yeah. And in fact, you seem lot. to spend a lot of time explaining what an agent is. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of a mystery. But first, tell us how you got into it. You were writing. So I was writing, um, and I went to the Andrew. So I'm with the Andrea Brown Literary Agency, and every year we host a workshop in Big Sur in December, the first weekend in December. And I went as a writer. And then um, I met a couple of women there who were local uh, Bay Area uh, people. And I wish I could say that I did this, but uh, one of my friends was interested to see if there was any job opportunities at the agency. And she asked, and Laura Rennert was looking for assistance. And my friend said to me, why don't you try out? And so I took an editorial test. But did you go in thinking, I'm going to go here and get a job? No, I went in thinking I'm going to learn about the business. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and kind of try and understand publishing and understand what an agent does and what they do. And so I took an editorial test and I loved it. <laughs> so I got to read three full manuscripts and write an editorial letter. And it was 
terrific. It was challenging. It was fun. It tapped into a lot of skills for me that I really love. I love to think about things editorially. I love to think about what would elevate a work and why, and and also to write it in such a way that people can stomach the feedback and then turn around and feel empowered to write forward. So uh, I passed my test. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and then I started working for Laura Rennert, who is an executive agent at our agency and just an incredible mentor. And she's at the top of her game. She's And kind of famous. She's kind of yeah, famous. She's got, I've heard of her. She's got terrific clients like Jay Asher's 13 Reasons Why, which just had a net Netflix series. Uh, she represents Maggie Stiefwater, which has all the Crooked Saints, which is right now on the bestsellers list. Uh, she represents Catherine Ryden Hyde. Um, in middle grade, she represents Shannon. Um, oh my gosh, I'm just blanking. <laughs> oh my gosh, how am I forgetting her name right now? It's okay. Well, do you know the name of the book? Um, I do. Keeper of the Lost C- Cities. And I'm Messenger. Shannon Messenger. Whoa brain fart. Anyway. (laughs) That's what happens when it's on, I swear. Yeah. Um, And Shannon is incredible, an incredible middle grade writer. Memorable. She she is memorable. She's one of my favorite people. Tammy Sauer, uh, picture book writer. So... Um, anyway, and when I was so then when I interviewed with Laura, I really like dark, edgy, gritty YA. The darker, the better. And so I was interviewing with her, and I said to her, "Well, you know, how dark will you go?" And she said, "Well, just try me. Like, what's one of your favorite books that's really dark and gritty?" And I said, "Well, the darkest, grittiest book I've read is um, at this at that point in time was The Marbury Lens by Andrew Smith." And she said. I represented it, and I sold it. And so I was like, oh, yeah. So I was like, A, great, because she and I are completely aligned um, in taste, but be like, oops, I was embarrassed. That I didn't know. <laughs> she represented she that homework. book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. But it all worked out. It all worked out. And the more, and so when we first started talking, you know, I, it was, it was going to be a part-time thing and I wasn't sure how much I was going to do it. And she said, you know, I have like 10 to 20 hours a week. And I was like, you're only going to get 10 hours from me. I've got other things going on. Um, I was doing consulting at the time and um, she had a lot of part-time work workers at that point. And um, I got into it and then I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved reading slush. I loved looking at royalty statements. I liked reviewing contracts, <laughs> like just everything. And part of That's that, true. I think, yeah, I think part of that comes down to um, that in my past life, I did PR and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I also at one point worked for a toy company where I was a toy inventor liaison. So what does that mean? Is that like in big like with toys? Uh, <laughs> kind of. So it's a little bit like an agent. So yeah. I would go, I used to tour the country and meet with toy inventors. They would pitch me their ideas. Then if I liked their ideas, I would turn around and pitch it internally to our uh, team. We had an internal design team and that were they were amazing designers and we rarely bought an outside concept. But um, every once in a while I would find something that was just dynamite. And so I'd turn around and pitch it internally. If they liked it, then I would turn around and negotiate the contract with the inventor. So who's better at pitching, toy inventors or writers? Ooh, good oh, question. that is a good question. Um, um, well, I mean, when I was meeting with toy inventors in person, they usually had prototypes. They have the toy. <laughs> so toys are fun. That's pretty fun. Not just a, yeah. not just um, a piece of the toy. I also, I mean, this is probably getting a little off topic, but I also think that pitching is an art. And it's very difficult for a lot of writers. They're so close to their work and every facet of their story matters to them. Every character, every moment, they're so close to it that it's hard to distill it down into, you know, an exciting paragraph that gives you the who, what, why, where, and how and the, you know, compelling Mm -hmm. hook. Um, On the flip side, I think that there are people who you know can pitch and they're amazing and they can't write to save their lives mm. and there are writers who are amazing and write incredible stories and they cannot pitch to save their yeah, lives. Yeah, sometimes I wish that was a job that there were Which people one? who would read your book and then pitch it for you. Oh yeah, they're probably Well, that's well, kind of what you that's do. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> but we yeah. got to get to you first. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I mean, yeah. query letter is a really intimidating, hard, scary thing. It is very scary. It is. Want to talk about that? I will talk about Let's that. Let's jump to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, well 
I should say for our age, everything that I'm going to say about is I speak for myself and my agency only. Every agency has a different submission guidelines, and so it's very important for people to check and see what each agent requires. Um, like I'm, I'm pretty lenient and flexible. Um, we have specific guidelines, but for example, if someone queries me and they miss a step, they receive an auto response that says, um, "Hi, thank you so much for." querying me. Here are the steps that you need to query me. And if you miss a step, no problem. Resend. Don't hold it against them. Yeah, I won't hold it against them. Not everyone does that. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So how to query our agency is to, or to query me and anyone at our agency, you have to pick just one of their 11 agents. And I should say, I am Jennifer number four, which is confusing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I'm at the very bottom of the website. So (laughs) you have to scroll all the way to the bottom to find me. Don't, but can I just say, don't you think that's quite usual that you shouldn't query more than one agent at an agency. At yes, time. I think that's yeah. good advice. Yeah. But and most agencies have that guideline. But yeah, I'm, I see. But okay. I'm just saying yeah. that for ours, you you have to pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, you you send a query plus the first ten pages of a novel in the body of the email, no attachments. Or if you're pitch, if you're querying a picture book, you want the query plus the entire manuscript of the picture book. Um, if you're also an illustrator, you can include a dummy, and that could be a PDF or a picture book dummy. No, I was going to okay. say, go ahead. I, I was actually going to ask. I was going to ask, the, what's the thinking behind strict rules like that is it to is part of me thinks well that just makes it it's uniform makes it easier for you guys part of it also thinks it's a test to see if we can follow directions uh yeah i mean it is but i think more so that um we need certain information to be able to consider the work Mm -hmm. and you know I don't want to open an attachment from someone I don't know. It can do bad things to my oh, computer. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's, I mean, hmm. I think that it's more of a protective measure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard agents say very quickly they can they don't have to do a lot. They can quickly see. I mean, it's just important that your query be good because just in the body they can quickly look at right. it and kind of know for some people. Although, I've heard people say that. as Jennifer just said, she's some people like are great writers and horrible query letter writers. Right. Yeah, so I like I, to think I'm one of them. So again, I'm just going to speak for myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so every agent has... So for example, my last name is Soloway. Mm-hmm. It's spelled like it's solo way. Only it's one L. Only one L. Yep. It looks like it should have an A or it sounds like yeah. it should have an A. It sounds like it should have two L's. So yes. like, it's not really my name. It's sort of my married last name. Right. And so... People butcher it all the time. They think it's Holloway or Followay or two L's. So I'm not going to hold it against you if you misspell it. But a lot of agents are like, if you can't get my name right, you're yeah, done. I've heard that too. Yeah. I've, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like think that's necessarily hurdle. limited to agents. It's not. Yeah. I think it's best to get people's name right. But if you queried me, and I mean this for anyone who's listening to this, if you queried me, you're like, ah, I put oh, no. two L's. <laughs> two L's. <laughs> don't worry. Don't, for with me, don't worry. So... Unless they call you Fred or something, then I'd be like, that's not Dear sir. Well, (laughs) okay, Fred might be hard. Yeah, if it's not even personal. Like, if I can tell it's just a complete form letter and there's nothing. uh, I don't need a lot of personalization. I don't need... Like, too much is a little scary. Well, it depends. If we met at a conference and yeah. they really got a lot of something I talked about yeah. or they or they listen to I I do a lot of podcasts, so they listen to my podcast and they were like, Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. You know, that's wonderful and yeah. and that will make me know that they've researched me. Well that's sort of a delicate balance to, to achieve for you. I mean if you're sort of a sem- to them you're a public figure. And if you're on a podcast and you're talking for an hour, it's a very personal. And, and you feel like you know. You feel people. like you know them. You yeah, really it's do. an intimate experience it to is. have someone so pumped into in your, your head, into your earbuds. Right. Yeah. So naturally, they would emerge from that thinking, "Oh, I know her." Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, and I'd like to be. I like to think of myself as accessible and mm-hmm. and friendly. <laughs> I think of you as accessible and friendly. Yeah. I mean. I truly believe that everyone has a voice and everyone has a story to tell. We're at different stages in our process and our talent and our skill level, but I really believe with enough re- with enough revision, people will get there. And so someone might query me now and they're not ready, but they might query me again in a year or six months or 10 years and they're amazing and I want to be, and I want to sign them right away. Would you remember them? I do remember them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
That's good and bad. Well, there's. <laughs> yeah. it, it, well, the thing is, is that if if someone's queried me and then they query me again later. I often remember. I, yeah. I always remember the project. I don't always remember their name right away. Although usually I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can see that they've been really working and they've been they've been revising and it's come a long way, that is very impressive to me and important to me because I'm looking for people who are going to work at their craft and improve. Um, there are some people who with great tenacity will use a new email address will use a slightly different pitch will retitle the project and they'll send it to me again and again but they don't revise the pages do you call them out on it so bizarre i don't i don't have time to do all that i mean i actually appreciate the tenacity (laughs) but (laughs) but but just to get into their head what are they hoping do they think that somehow a different name will change the content like i don't understand well i could be hoping i always think like if you just spent the time on your pages (laughs) that you did on trying to repackage them yeah you know I would probably sign you at some point, but uh, I think that they know, I mean, our agency receives more than a thousand queries a week. I'm a new agent and I'm receiving 10 to 15 queries a day. So I I was thinking of that time. What percentages do you actually get? Do you get to read all of them? I read everything that comes into my box because I'm new, I'm hungry, I am looking for the next big mm-hmm. thing, and I'm hoping it's going to land in my inbox. Can you quickly say, so uh, we keep throwing around this word query, but what does that mean? Okay, so a query is a letter that has, you know, dear Jennifer, dear Miss Soloway, if you want to be formal. One L. <laughs> it's okay. And o. Oh, two O's. Soloway. Um uh, that has, uh, it could have a small salutation. Hey, I listened to you on the Grotto Pod and I really liked what you had to say about your editorial style and I think we'll be a great fit. Then to have one to two paragraphs that dis- that give a, it's like a teaser for the project that gives me a hook. Mm. But it, to better describe that for me is if you can raise a question in my mind that I just need to know the answer. So much so that I will request your book and stay up till three in the morning to find out what happens. Those are my favorite queries. And then to end with, you know, a small, a short bio about who you are. And that can be, you know, if you're writing about marine biology, maybe you have a degree in marine biology, maybe you have done a ton of research, or um, if you're just a debut author and you've never published before, that's okay too. I would just say for the bio, just be very honest. Again, I have people who embellish um, and I research everybody and I, I know when people embellish and so that's the query letter then done and then um, and then I look at the first 10 pages um, one thing I shall say I, I don't know how many picture book writers will be listening to this but I always say that I'm going to read your entire manuscript you do not to get, need to give me five paragraphs pitching mm. The picture book just give me a log line, which is a simple a simple sentence that tells me what the picture book is about. Because I'm going to read the whole thing. So that's just for picture books. That's just yeah. for picture books. Yeah. For for a novel, give me one to two paragraphs. I want to know who the character is. I want to know what they want most in the world. I want to know what's keeping them from getting it. I want to know what the big question is that's going to be answered in the novel. Um, okay, so this is just for me. I don't speak for everybody, but because I find that so many people can't pitch very well, it's hard. I often skip the query letter and I go straight to the pages. Oh, that'd be awesome. And I read the pages because I want to find beautiful writing in a story that I fall in love with. You're Someone's phone is ringing. It's fine. Oh, okay. Not mine. These things because <laughs> it happens. Okay, I was like, I don't think it's mine. <laughs> I checked. Is it mine? Um, anyway, so I usually read the pages first, and then if I'm not, if I'm sort of confused and can't see where it's going, then I'll read the pitch. Um, sometimes when I read the pitch. Um, initially, I find that like it can be an amazing, like a really great pitch. Like, um, like I would love to find a story about a dead teacher. And so, <laughs> but then if you read the ten pages and they're not delivered, yeah. So it's like, oh my gosh, there's a dead teacher, and did this kid kill his teacher or not? And then I <laughs> all had no cattle. Like, yeah. And then I get to the first page and I'm like, oh, like then like the kid's waking up and he's brushing his teeth and he only dreamt there was a missing teacher well no it oh, i'm well, sure it happens 50 oh, pages oh, in oh, but oh, got it, we got to get it. through the whole oh, morning yeah. routine to yeah. get to the dead teacher yeah. and yeah what that, that asking for a friend what if <laughs> your manuscript has an intro like a prologue yeah <laughs> 
do you, do you send that? I get that, the question or do you skip every, that? to every conference I go to. kidding me. <laughs> no. What? That's amazing. Makes sense. Would I send, yeah. would I send that or would no. I send chapter one? And so the answer is... Depends. Right. <laughs> no, I have the answer. No, but here's, answer. here's the thing. Okay, you answer. No prologues. Okay, go ahead. That's it. Okay, no so, but I, okay so I'm going to counter no what Bridget like just said. Okay. So here's the thing. You go to conferences, you talk to agents, and you'll hear the litany of don'ts, right? Don't start with a prologue. Don't start with a dream. Don't start with dialogue. Don't start with uh, waking up. Don't start Rushing with a move. Teeth. Don't start with a phone call. On and on, right? Mm-hmm. Here, and I had an MFA professor who will, rename, who will remain unnamed, um, who told all of us in grad school that we couldn't write flashback. And I am a, you know, I'm a bit of a smarty pants. I went and read all of his stories and I found a story that was essentially all flashback. <laughs> and, um, and it was good. We wanted, you wanted to know why this character was in the situation he was in and we needed that flashback and it really worked well. It wouldn't have worked without the flashback, but so I went in, but he was telling us no flashback. So I go into his office and I said to him, You've been telling us we can't write flashback. This story is entirely flashback. And he sat back in his chair and he was like, yeah, well, I I tell you because most of you guys are new writers and you can't do it well. So I just tell you not to do it. The truth is you can do it if you can do it well, a.k.a. he could do it well. Right. I'm but, a pro. But <laughs> Don't try this that, But I encourage everyone, for all the don'ts that you hear, the truth is you can break the rules if you've of mastered course. your craft. So if you have a dynamite prologue that's amazing and brings the, char- brings the reader in and establishes the world and establish, you know, and raises a bunch of questions and it's exciting, and then you start, um, then you go to page one and that energy is still there. And it doesn't feel like a you know it's a similar vo- voice and style and tone. Those kind of prologues are awesome and they work. They're amazing. What the reason why you hear no prologues is because usually what happens is that the prologue is like exciting and and thrilling and there's all this stuff going on and and the voice is amazing and then you get to page one and right. the kid's waking up and brushing his teeth and it's really boring yeah. like you know like the, they find the dead teacher and you know <laughs> the and then they go all the way back and then where... they you know and then the kids like yeah like we don't want to go to the bathroom with him we want to be in the moment and the excitement and so i think it's important to keep that same energy and that same style and keep them and keep the drama moving forward from the prologue to the first chapter again I am pretty generous. I'm really looking for things that I want to fall in love with. And I think a lot of writers have trouble writing writing into a story, accessing their story. And so um, some people, I think, need to write that prologue to get there. And then really the, the story starts on page one. So often if the, <laughs> if the prologue isn't working for me, I'll skip to page one and see if that's where the story really starts. That seems very generous. It is generous. I'm, I'm new and I'm looking for... I'm looking for, an, you know, mm-hmm. I'm looking for potential. I'm looking for it. But, um, you know, or the flip happens all the time where, you know, I've got a great prologue and then it doesn't. And, and then, then, then to a halt. And then it just drops. And yeah. I will also say that kind of happens with pages as well. Uh, it's, it blew me away when I first started reading submissions that, like, if the first 10 pages are amazing, then we request more pages. Oftentimes, mm. it will fall flat on right. page 11. Right. Mm. Or they will go, it's like in increments. Or it will go, like, it will be, the first 10 pages are amazing. And then we get to page 25, and it's amazing, and then it just falls off. Or the same happens at 50 pages and same at 75 and then 100. Usually, if you get to 100, the sto- you know you can tell that the writers got it. And even if the ending isn't perfect, it's still something that I would be able to represent, that they've got their story, they've got their characters, they've got the development. Let's talk a little bit hard. about the stuff that people don't necessarily think of when they think of agents and what okay. they do for a living. Yep. Once you decide to accept that writer and to represent that writer. Mm-hmm. What's your role in the manuscript itself? Revision, editing, or do you just like, all right, I'm going to hand this off to an editor. Here you go. No, 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 no. Well, it depends. Oops, sorry. Whoa. If I <laughs> trying to take down the whole grotto pod. <laughs> it's easy. It is. If I found something that was ready, yeah, let's go How out. How often does that happen? Um, for me, it hasn't happened yet. Okay. Does it ever happen? Uh, 
I, it does happen for some agents. Yeah, I think that's amazing, that, right? Yeah, I think that they're further along in their career, maybe, um, and it's usually through comes through referral right, and right. Someone, or some maybe coming from another agency. Yeah, I'm a newer something. agent, and yeah. so uh, someone who's going you know I'm going to be attracting people who are maybe a little earlier in their career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but to uh, to answer your question, usually what will happen? I'm looking for something with potential You're that I good bones. I'm looking for good bones, something that I really fall in love with, and something that doesn't need that much work. Something that's going to, you know, a couple of rounds and then we'll be able to go out. And also something that I have an editorial vision for. Like I want to, my goal is to provide value to my clients and I want to be able to say, oh, and this is how I do work. Like I, I write 10 page letters and, or sometimes more than that, not to scare everybody. And usually the first few pages are just like, oh, I love this about your story. And I, I love I love this character. I love I love this scene. Or and I'll often list um, sentences that jumped out at me that I just found beautiful because I'm a sucker for gorgeous language at the line level. Um, and then I will go into more of a developmental letter about. Um, like some story issues that I think that I see or ways that I think that we could develop the character or some opportunities for scenes where something might be summarized, et cetera. And so I feel like I have three good rounds in me where I can really get in there and really help the writer elevate their work in within those three rounds. Once I start to read more than that, then I'm just not as fresh and I, I, I know what the writer's trying to do and trying to say, and I, I can't help as much anymore. And is there a time, I, I know this is very hard for writers, but for an age, as an agent, is there a time when you can look at the manuscript and say, it's ready? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a time in place. Yeah, like I had one client where we did, we did three revisions. We did one big revision. We did one revision and then... Um, and then I did a letter with her, and then she did another revision, and it still needed work. And then we did one more revision, and just it was incredible her ability to take it to the next level. Right, I mean, point. that's a big part of it, right? The writer has to be able to hear what you're saying and be able to incorporate it. Right. Um, that's not always easy. I know it is. Do you want it? Should we take a break? Yeah. We're going to take a little break that you listeners won't notice. Yes. Otherwise, (laughs) as usual, we'll all melt. So we'll be back in a sec. And we're back. Um, We talked about a lot during our little break. Some of it's going to make its way into the show. Uh, so some of it doesn't. You know, one of the things that we were talking about that was kind of personal to me was what Jennifer referred to as the black hole. Or radio silence. Radio silence, oh, yeah. Radio silence. Yeah. This is a sense that I'm sure writers out here listening are very familiar with where you send out 35 queries and you get two responses. Yeah. So first, let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So I don't recommend sending out 35 queries really? at one time. Even though, and, so let me explain one, one yeah, quick no, thing. No, I know why. I live in the yeah, world no. of, celeb, of, of civilians, yeah. non-writers. Yeah. And when I said, all right, I'm starting to query agents. I haven't heard anything back. What do they always say? You know, the woman who wrote uh, Fifty Shades right. of Grey got right. rejected 75 times before she... Of uh, course, and that's true. So, But I think if you're starting out querying, the um, I would approach it the way I approach uh, querying editors, pitching to editors, which is I would select like five to seven and I would send out my work and then I would see what kind of response I get. Yeah. Yeah. Because, so let's talk about the dreaded radio silence. Mm -hmm. So just to, again, to put it in perspective, I'm a new agent. I get 10 to 15 queries a day. That's 150 pages plus to read, not count, not including the query letter. That's a lot of reading. And I'm guessing every day, every day. And and I'm thinking, you know, you're a newer agent. I'm sure there are some agents who cannot possibly physically read everything they get in every day. Well, that they have to catch up maybe on like, yeah, they, so we're backlogged. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And our agency gets more than a thousand queries a day. <clears throat> we read everything, but I literally do not have time to write a response, a personalized response to everyone. And I really love writers and I want them to succeed. And it actually pains me to write rejections. And it's even more painful to not respond at all because I know what it's like on the other end. But I don't have time and I wouldn't do my clients justice if I were writing <laughs> rejection letters with feedback to everyone, even though I want to help them with their manuscript. So if you ever see me at a conference, come talk to me because I'll totally help you. But I can't. <laughs> do it when I'm at home. So, um, 
So anyway, so that's why you get the radio silence. So with our agency, if you don't hear from us within six weeks, it means it's a no and it's a no from our entire agency. So that is the bad news. And let me just say one more thing. I get to see the first 10 pages of your novel. So if your novel really should be starting in the wrong, starting in a different place, or if there's a lot of backstory, or if like, again, like you access the story by the kid waking up in the beginning, but really it starts, the story starts on page 15. When the teacher's dead. When the teacher's dead. (laughs) When they find the dead body. Um, Then, you know, I will never know because I only got to read the first 10 pages. So that is the bad news. And I'm going to pass or maybe not respond at all because I don't have time, unfortunately. I wish I did. I really mean that. I wish I did. But um, the good news is... I only read the first 10 pages. So if you rework your your opening pages, if you revise and you send it back to me, and those first 10 pages now start with a dead teacher on page one, and it's (laughs) awesome, and I have to find out why why him and why did he die and who did it, Um, and what was their relationship. Uh, (laughs) Then, uh, you know, and then I'm going to, I'm going to, two things are going to happen. First of all, I'm going to be like, wow, this, these pages are amazing. I need to, I need to read the rest of the book and then I'll fall in love with it. And then I'll offer representation. But second of all, I'm going to see that you are, you are serious about your craft. You're working hard and you're revising and you're someone who's going to, I hope be able to work with me and respond to my editorial feedback and keep going. So back to the radio silence and back to querying strategy. Start out with five to seven. See what happens. If you get some feedback, fantastic. If people offer you representation, fantastic. But if you get radio silence, that's when you need to go back to your pitch and go back to your pages and take a very honest look. Sometimes you need to take space from it. But look at it and see, is this really working? And that's where you need a critique group and Absolutely. you need other mm-hmm. write, other readers to read your work who are going to not just tell you what's wonderful about it, but tell you when does the story fall flat? When does it lose their interest so that you can really put your best foot forward? One more thing about critique groups, and this, I mean this sincerely, as important as it is to get feedback about your other about your work, I think it's even more important to read other people's work. Absolutely, You will see the problems in other people's people's work that you don't see in your own you'll know how you'll see how to fix it in their work and then you'll also realize when their mistakes are the same ones you're making but then you'll be their writing will inform yours you'll fi- you'll know how to fix theirs and you'll be able to turn around and fix yours i have learned so much from reading many many submissions and knowing like why it doesn't pique my interest can i also say it doesn't matter you don't need to have a critique group where everyone writes what you write because yeah it, for example when you and i met you were writing young adult. young adult fiction i was writing uh memoir nonfiction. those two genres seem to have nothing in common but telling a story is the same choosing how to present information is the same, you know, beautiful writing is the same. And so it will help you no matter what. And I get a lot of people who tell me, Oh, I really have trouble finding a good critique group. I'm really having trouble finding people at my level. And, um, (laughs) yeah. And I would encourage everyone. I agree. Getting a query group is uh, sorry. A critique group is a little bit like dating. Um, yeah. If someone says things like, um, "I don't know what you're writing here," or "This is I'm bored," or um, "Seriously, what are you thinking?" Those are not. That's not constructive and helpful. You want to find someone who's going to be able to say, "I'm confused here," and I think maybe if you added this kind of information right here, or if we, like for example, let's a common a common thing I see in early drafts is that, and I'm just going to talk on a YA basis like there's a girl and she there's two boys in her life and um, it's not clear from the text how she feels about either one mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's a love triangle or if like one's just a friend and you want to know as the reader you want to know that's an opportunity to elevate the work and to layer in her feelings because I we all hear show don't tell but the truth is we need to show and tell mm-hmm. and it's that inner mind and that voice that's going to really elevate the work it's going to bring us 
is closer to the character. If we are inside that character's head and they're confiding to us their innermost feelings that they won't tell anyone else, and yes, I'm a sucker for that. If you're writing that, please send it to me. Um, <laughs> that is, that's what I'm looking for, and that's what's going to really elevate your work. So you want to find someone who can help you find those places because most writers know what they're trying to say. It, they're just having trouble mm-hmm. getting it onto the page, and right. they need help seeing where it's not there. It's really an underrated element of being a writer and being in the writing world. I always said when I you know, was in an MFA program, I didn't learn how to write. I learned how to read. Yes, but learning to read is learning to write if you're thinking in that way. I mean, I, fi- I found that well, it changed. But yeah. also, I would say not even just learning how to read, but also how to articulate feedback in such a way that is encouraging and inspiring. So one of the things that my mentor, Laura Rennert, does is she says that every negative is a positive. Every time something is, quote unquote, not working, it's an opportunity to elevate the work. It's a way to layer on the story. Ooh, that's a nice way to think it's about it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And, um, and that's the way I like to work. I like to tr- I like to tell people like let's take the example for the girl like she could hate the boy she might find him cute but she's not interested in him she might be gay and she's not interested in him at all there's many different ways that it could play I'm not sure how it's playing because it's not on the page and I will offer what I see are different possible outcomes or different ways to explain her feelings um, my goal is always to give those ideas to the reader and then have the, I'm sorry, to the writer and the writer, if the writer says to me, yeah, you know, Jennifer, your feedback isn't really working for me, but what about this idea? Mm -hmm. This is actually how she feels. That is always what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get from my clients and from writers. And I mean, their vision, right. And and I think one of the issues a lot of writers will have is to get themselves into the place where they can accept that. Yes, and I feel for, I feel for those writers. I, it's so hard. Rejection is hard. Criticism is hard. And I think it's okay to grieve. I think it's okay to grieve the loss or like, oh, I thought I was so much more ready than I'm than I am, and it's painful and I'm embarrassed. Um, I want to also tell everyone, at least with me, don't be embarrassed. You're not going to be ruining your one big shot. You can always revise and send it back to me. And I think I mentioned this before, but with our agency, um, if you if you query me and I say no or worse, you get the dreaded radio silence. In six months, you have the opportunity to revise and resubmit a significantly um, revised piece. It can be the same project or a new project. Keyword being significantly. Significantly. So that's a great point because Mm -hmm. I do a ton of conferences and I do a ton of critiques and I really love writers and I want to help them. Um, And and I'm also, it's a little bit of a test. Like if I do a critique for you, you get a sense of my editorial style, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see like, do I like Jennifer? Is she a good fit for me? Um, and similarly, it's a test for me. Like if I give you a critique and you turn around and send it to me the next day and you don't even incorporate any of my feedback or, or answer any of my questions, you're not going to be someone I can work with because I didn't inspire you. I, we, di- I, we didn't click editorially. Whereas like um, – and a lot of people do that. They'll send it to me right away and, I, and unfortunately I have to pass. But if they come back to me with a great new piece, like that's really encouraging to me. And I have a client who actually queried me numerous times, did numerous revisions, and I signed her. That's a great inspiring story. Such a good story. And I like that you use the term not ready versus good. Right. I I see potential in almost everything I get. All of it has potential. It's just at a different stage of readiness. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think, and this is true of me, and I think it's true of all of us, we think we're ready before we are. It, Absolutely. It takes so much revision to get. I mean, these are masterpieces. It just takes a lot of work. Well, you know what the Grotto logo is, blood, sweat, and tears. Right. I mean, I think also um, my sense would be when you see that someone can transform something, then you're willing to take a risk on having them as a client, right? It's like they know how to transform something. And, I mean, that's huge. That's huge. Well, especially if I inspired them Exactly. Like if I said, hey, this is... This is not working for me. I can see it going this way or this way, and then they come back with something I never even thought of, and it's better. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. that's, that's just editorial magic, and that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm also looking for someone who I feel like I can connect with, and mm-hmm. I'm going to diverge a little bit now onto the if I make an offer. 
Mm-hmm. Should we talk about that? Yep. Yeah. Next up. Next up. All right. So let's talk about the happy stuff. Yeah. Let's okay. Positive. So say I you you query me. I love the pages, and I'm usually very effusive when I send when I ask for uh, for them to send me the full. I will read, the, and I al- at this point now I always ask for. I don't think that's me. You can just ignore it. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I ask for the full because if I'm going to read pages, I you know, and I'm into it, I want to keep reading. Um, like I said, if you got a good question for me, I will stay up till three o'clock in the morning to read. Um, so then I fall in love with the book and everything. And I also should add that I research everybody. So I look at your Twitter feed. I look at your mm, website. I look at knowing. how you present you know, yourself. Jennifer, with great Googling comes great responsibility. <laughs> that's, yes. That's Larry's tagline. <laughs> well, I Google and I Google a lot and I'm actually known as the sleuth in my agency Ooh, because I can find things about people. Talk. Yes. Um, and I'm always looking for people, you know, I'm looking for people who I feel like I can work with and that I am, you know, that I feel like they're going to, that they communicate well and they present themselves well and they're professional. Um, so say they pass all those with flying colors. Um, then I, then I do a phone call with someone and, and when I make an offer of representation, it's a little bit like asking someone to get married without dating, (laughs) you know, I'm in love with your work. I don't really know you. Um, We're going to talk for an hour and see how it goes. Hope you're not crazy. Yeah. And so, or even like, do I don't think I'm crazy. Hope you're manageably crazy. Like, is the conversation (laughs) easy? Is it something like, is it, is it flowing or is it stilted? How is it? Um, And so usually what I do is I start out, like we talk a little bit about who we are and I talk about my style and then I usually tell them what I really loved about it and why I think it's a great piece. And then I will give some of my editorial vision for the project. Now, if you find yeah. a writer who produces something dazzling, mm-hmm. and then you call them up, and they're monosyllabic and weird, do you move forward anyway? That hasn't happened to me yet, so That's, I don't know. It kind of surprises me that it hasn't happened. It seems like you're gonna you would come across a weirdo who's a great writer. Uh. Yeah, but I like weirdos. I guess that's I know, not. Yeah. I don't mind monosyllabic. I've I've definitely talked to people who are nervous to talk yeah. to me. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'd be so nervous. Yeah, I'd and be so I I really try to put people at ease. I you know I'm a new. I'm not a young agent, but I'm a new agent, and I um, think you're young. <laughs> I, I do too. Yeah, well, let's clear I, that up right now. <laughs> I try to I've tried to put them at ease and like you know because I want to have a really comfortable working right. relationship mm-hmm. and I don't want there to be weirdness. So anyway, we talk and then I'll give my editorial. And then there's a chance for them, too, to see, like, does Jennifer right. get my book? Does she understand what I'm trying to do? And then we talk about um, their goals and what they're trying to achieve with their writing and with the project, et cetera. And then if I have a real really good feeling about them, then I will offer representation at the end. And I usually end by saying, so I think you're wonderful, and I really love your work, and I'd like to offer you representation. And wait! Don't give me an answer. Think about it. I want you to take two weeks to think about How it. How common is it that you get rebuffed? What do you mean? They, they don't, don't choose you. Oh, well, um, that happens. Uh, it's happened um, once or twice to me. Um, and actually, both times that it happened, it well, no, sorry. It happened just once to me. Um, there was another where I offered representation, and he wanted more and more time to think about it. I always give two weeks, which I think is yeah, a good amount hard. of time to think about whether or not they want to work with me or not. He kept asking for more and more time, and at some point, it starts to feel like I'm the backup prom date, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm like and the last. Probably are. He probably has worked out somewhere price, else. Yeah. I'm your last resort yeah. option, and that doesn't feel good to me. I want yeah. I want to be with people. I'm like too old not to get not to date someone who's not into me. Yeah. So yeah. I did that for many years. <laughs> I don't I don't need that anymore. I want to work with people who really are excited yeah. and, and psyched and thrilled to work with yeah. me. I want to have a really good work, working relationship. So I give two weeks. Sometimes this is what I always encourage everyone to do. I take two weeks to think about it. If you have queries out to other agents, let them know you have an let them know that you have offer. an offer. You can say um, you don't need to name names. Just say that you've got this deadline that you're going to get back to me. And then you think about it. Maybe you, you might get multiple offers. Many of my clients have in that process. And then I want you to really think about, am I the right fit? Do you have the best feeling about me? If you have more questions, you can come back to me. You can talk to some of my clients and get a sense of me. Um, but I, you know, and then if we if you decide that you don't want to go with me, that's okay. We can still have coffee at conferences. Everything is fine. Um, I want it to be the right fit. 
not just for me, but also for them and for their careers. So um, sometimes when people get multiple offers, it's called a beauty contest. (laughs) I have been in a few beauty contests and I have won. And I think the reason is because almost always it's been editorial Mm -hmm. style, my vision for them. And then also um, I'm very transparent. I share everything. I share my submission lists. I share my pitches. Um, I'm very accessible. I... I like email, but I'm also, you know, my, t- my clients text me. We, I'm uh, always up for a phone call. I try to get back to people within 24 hours. I try to get feedback within. I, I need to just jump in and say, <sighs> I do think that's rare. You know, that, yeah. that's like a big deal. And I'm just saying that because I know for so many people, one of the great s- distressing and stressful things about the relationship with their agent is they they never hear back from them. Yeah. And you are amazing in terms of being in contact with people and being transparent is so reassuring speaking from the writer's side. Like it's really a reassuring thing. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. So, well, and I also don't nice. want any weirdness. Like I, know, I have friends so who are agented who are afraid of their agents exactly, or don't want to talk to me them. Too. And you know, giving feedback can be a fraught situation, right. especially, you know, if if you felt if you feel sensitive one day or you feel criticized and i've had some situations with my yeah. clients where i could tell like they were uncomfortable but they didn't feel like they could talk to me and even though i said if you ever feel bad just call me we can work it out yeah. i promise i don't want to have any festering weirdness um and i've reached out to them and said are you okay and then it comes out that well you know i was this hurt I, or i wasn't sh- i was a little unsure about what you said yeah. and or yeah i'm really stressed yeah. out and and i want to be able to have a relationship with my clients where we can talk through and get through this because this is a business that's built on rejection at every stage and we've got to be able to weather the storm and together. we need to talk about the next stage before we're done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But before we do, I, I want to, do you anticipate being able to keep this up when you have a much larger client list? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I mean, so Laura has a two week turnaround for client manuscript feedback and I'm trying to emulate that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. So I don't know if I'll be able to continue it up uh, long term. And I've told all my clients that like, mm-hmm. this is my goal. I'm going to try and stick to it. But, um, but yeah. That's that's fantastic. All right, next phase. What happens next? So once they're so once we're together, mm-hmm. they've said yes. Yay! Yay. <laughs> they picked you. Well, I will you say picked th- them. They I will say you. this: like, uh, there's been a few times where I've like with my clients whom I love so much, uh, we'll get on the phone and there will be like the small talk, and it's like we're like dancing around like the okay, are we gonna do this? And so um, <laughs> there's been a couple times where I said, and I knew they had multiple offers, mm-hmm. and I said, uh, so we were gonna discuss my offer, and then they say, oh. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go with you. Um, and then I had one time where my I knew she had multiple multiple offers, and she said to me, "So she goes, we were just kind of small talking." And then she said, "So we're we gonna do this or what?" And I was like, <laughs> "We're gonna do it. Yes, I want to." So that's always a huge happy day for me. And then um, at that point, it just depends on where the manuscript is, what, um, how far along it is. Um, with me, I'm very editorial, and I really want to put our best foot forward. So I work hard to help my clients elevate their work, and I also want to say it just gives me such great joy when they when they turn in revisions that are just even more beautiful and more amazing. Then from that point, I you know will research what I you know I know a lot of editors, and I will also do a lot of research to see who I think might really connect with the project, and then we go out a sub list about seven people. <laughs> And um, and we see what, and then you wait, and then we wait, and and that often takes a long time because just like agents, right. editors are slammed with work. And How it just, long does it take? Uh, what you say it takes anywhere from. I was just talking about another agent, anywhere from one minute to uh, oh. <laughs> to you know six months. Like it just wow. There's a. I mean, usually it's I like will, waiting for the cable guy. Yeah, wow. I mean, publishing works at a very slow, slow right. pace. The whole thing of it takes a long time to get an agent, takes a long time to get net, like all of it. Sometimes things move very fast if you've got that hot, hot project, but right. not everybody does, and that's okay. You still can get published. Um, so we'll go out to we'll go out to editors, and then we'll do the same thing that I encourage querying writers to do. We'll 
Although fortunately for me at this stage, I usually get feedback. So we'll get feedback in usually from the people who pass and then we'll look at it and we'll think, does that feedback resonate? Do they have a good point? Do we need to revise again before we go out to another round of editors? That's a worst case scenario if we get all passes. Or, you know, what happens is we might get a bunch of passes, but then one person makes an offer. And then, you know, if we're really lucky, we get multiple offers and then we go to auction. How much of your day is spent actually working on revisions? Uh, right now, at this point in my career, a lot. A lot. Yeah, and I'm also doing. A, I'm also doing a lot of, um, a lot of revision. I'm doing a lot of uh, networking with editors. Um, I'm doing a lot of conferences right now, and I'm reading a lot of submissions. And you're on Twitter a lot. That and I'm was, on Twitter. And that was actually my next question. And we're getting close to running out of time okay. here, but it does seem like a lot of your job is explaining to people what your job is. Yeah. In public forums, is that it's because true. you're a newer agent and it's you're because, trying to get your yeah? Once I have a, a full list, I probably will do fewer clients because I don't. I mean, excuse me, fewer conferences because I don't. I don't need to do right. them as much, but I also love doing conferences. I love meeting writers and talking to them. So, but I'm, right now I've got a crazy schedule. I did. I'm going to do 12 this year. Oh my god, that Whoa. is insane! Yeah, and I usually do critiques for each one. So, um, but I'm a new agent trying to build my career. That, that's going to definitely taper off. Wow, that is so. Much <laughs> oh my god, I, I do think it's a service that is appreciated to yeah. have someone out there who's demystifying this and. You know, and it's also positive. On. Like I, I mean, I don't want to tell tales, but I have been at conferences where agents have spoken, and they're so dark and negative. It's depressing. Yeah, and I know that you would never be that way. Is that old timers though? Sometimes, or sometimes, point. sometimes also just kind of like. <laughs> I mean, I've, I I remember one in particular where just like a kind of cattiness about oh. well-known writers that I just felt it bummed me. Here's out. the thing: I think that this is true of gatekeepers. Like you kind of get this jaded. You get a little jaded. Yeah. Like we see, like like why do you say no? Don't start with a dream because we see so many projects right. start with a really bad dream. So right. after a while, it's like don't send me a dream. You know, I think that there's. The, that sort of jaded mentality, but right. that's also good information for you. Go to the go to conferences right. and see who do you like, who, right. who mm-hmm. do you want to represent you. Like if you don't like them on stage, you might not like them as your agent. Right. It's good information, definitely. Um, I have been thinking about doing just locally, like like talk to the agent mm-hmm. for an hour. Doing, yeah, do like oh, just yeah. events at a local bookstore just to. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be easy. Such a good idea. Yeah, because it is. I haven't quite gotten there yet because I'm doing too many conferences, but. <laughs> I mean, it is like a kind of um, faceless mystery until you do it or encounter it. It just seems so daunting and overwhelming. Well, and one of the good – I think sometimes for frustrated writers, may not be counting myself among them, (laughs) but they can assume that the agent-writer relationship is going to be adversarial because you have something we want. Yeah. You know? And And I think – I also think that sometimes people in power feel that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it is very easy for it's very easy to point out flaws. It's very easy. It's very right. easy to say this is wrong. This isn't working. Blah blah blah. Nobody's going to want this. Yeah. Versus like having to craft and create and figure out how to overcome those hurdles to make it something that people want. I mean, I have so much respect for writers. Hmm. And I have to say, having the faith of your agent is everything. It's like having. I don't know. It's like having a cheerleader who is not your mom. Like, you right. know that they are not bullshitting you because they have stuff on the line, too. So it's everything to have that encouragement. And I think there's definitely something worthwhile to having to, to being able to define the agent as someone who's making a huge contribution to the writing world and the right. writing community. Right. There's so many different ways. We, we talk about it a lot. There's so many different ways to be part of the writing community. Mm-hmm. You can be a writer. You can be... A bookstore owner, you can be publisher. Publisher, yeah. You can be a reader. You can uh, be no, a that's reader. A big you can thing. be a book buyer. You can I mean, be a query writer. Be a consumer. Yeah. yeah, being a consumer is huge. I mean, you know, that kind of fan level of people who just love books and who love bookstores, and you know, we need that. We need that culture. All right. That is a good place to end on. Normally, Jennifer, this is the part where I ask the writer in the room with us to tell us their website and all that stuff. But uh, I guess you could tell us how people can find you at the uh, agency website. 
Yes, so I'm the fourth Jennifer. If you go to the agent page, fourth Jennifer down. I'm at the very bottom of the page, um, the very last one. Um, that's the and Andrea, it's that's Andrea the Brown Literary Agency, and so it's andreabrownlit.com. I also just want to say one more thing to everybody. This is a. It's just such a hard business, and it's so hard to be a writer. It's so hard to put yourself out there and expose yourself at a personal level. You are all very brave, and I encourage you all, and also sell. Celebrate your victories. Celebrate when you have a great day and you write a great scene. Celebrate when you find that perfect word. Celebrate when you get an agent. Celebrate when you sell your first book. Because there are so many letdowns and so many times where it's really hard. You need to just enjoy those moments. And I think a lot of times we don't. And I encourage you to do so. And know that I'm rooting for you. That was a mic drop. but Friends. <laughs> oh, was it? This is why I love her. <laughs> but I also, uh, I think they need to know your Twitter, too. I'm oh, sorry. But that it's- was a total mic drop. Boom. It was so good. And also, writers, you need a person like this in your life. Um, It's at March Soloway. S-O-L-O-W-A-Y. And that's March as in the month, not March as in the swamp. So March Soloway. Um, And yeah, Twitter is a great way to connect with me. Um, I send out a lot of writing tips and query tips. Um, I do a lot of... Pitch Fests. There's two happening today. One is Picture Book Pitch, PB Pitch, um, that I'll be dipping in and out of to look for the next big thing. And there's also Pit Dark today, which is for dark projects, dark stories. She's into that. I like it dark and gritty. Yep. BQ. Yeah. What say you? I'm going to be careful and spell my name right. Good. Okay. My Twitter handle, I spelled my name wrong once. Um, My Twitter handle is at BQuinterest. B-Q-U-I-N-N-T-E-R-E-S-T. And Instagram and my website is com. And you know where you can find me. You can find me at that Larry Rosen at uh, Twitter and the old Instagram. And, of course, is it good for the Jews.com if you can't get enough of me. <laughs> that goes without saying, practically. You need to hear me speak for another hour each week. As for the Grotto Pod, mm-hmm. which is where we are, yes. uh, grottopod.com is our website. Uh, the Grotto at The Grotto Pod is our Twitter. You know what we always forget to tell people to do? Uh, Go to iTunes, oh, download, rate us. and rate us, and leave a awesome five star review. Jennifer, and tell have a you subscribed to The Grotto Pod? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, you need to go that back. Is correct answer. That is a good answer. You need to go back and make sure you have. And everyone, just subscribe. It's so easy. It's free. What What in life is free? The Grotto Pod. I know. And look at all this information that Jennifer just gave you about getting an agent. My God, that was gold. That was fantastic. Give us five stars. And I am exhausted, but I can't get out of here until you say one more thing. Okay. I want to thank our producers, Beth Weingarner, Lori Andoyle, who had a book mm-hmm. launched last night. That was when fun. We were there. Uh-huh. Lee Kravitz. What's the other thing you're supposed to say? I want to say thank you to Sugartown for all the great tunes. And one more thing. And I want to say read, write, and just keep working.